1: Everyone relax, this is TOEFOP, I'm Charlie Corson.
0: I'm Will Anderson, hello and thank you for watching. So we're doing this very late. It is uh, 2 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, which is very late for us to record an episode of TOEFOP and that means that you're going to edit it, no podcast yep. mic today, and it means that James Fosdyke does not have the normal sort of 24 to 48 hours that he kind of hopefully has most weeks to be able to put together the artwork. So he has requested in our WhatsApp chat that if we talk, could we talk about blackouts, yeah. snowstorms, and stick figures? So uh, you you can pick one or any of those topics to start with. Which which would you like? I'm not going to talk about any
1: of those things. I was almost going to text <laughs> Foz to give him a heads up because I do have something I want to talk about, which I think it falls quite squarely into into tofop territory. Um, uh, but I thought I'll let him listen to it because I don't want to direct. I don't want to. We've never dictated what foz creates sometimes you know we'll be on a real tear on a subject and in my head i'm like oh i can't wait to see the artwork for this it's definitely going to be that and then he'll go he'll zig where we've zagged um in this instance well i'm going to say
0: i don't know what this is but i'm going to set myself the challenge to incorporate at some stage into this scenario or story but a blackout a snowstorm and some stick figures Mm. well
1: this might be something we've we've Previously, because uh, it involves a moving house, which I'm I'm doing at the moment. Um, uh, we're packing up our apartment in Sydney. We're all in on the Northern Rivers, baby. We're letting go of the apron strings, and so uh, uh, I've been down in Sydney the last few days, which is why Top Up is late this week because um, I uh, missed my flight. Actually, we uh, got to the airport like just at, at the at the cutoff. Ordinarily. When you just got you and your bags, you know, it's fine. But when you have a baby, Will, everything takes a little bit longer because it's all oversized and they can't just chuck it on the trolley and and whack it on the plane. Um, So we got to the airport. Literally, I think it was – well, we got to the airport in time. But by the time we got to the kiosk and then put our details in, it had cut us off. And then by the time we joined the line to get to the front of the queue to speak to someone, we were way behind.
0: And this woman – Uh, You know, it's almost like we don't ever take any of that time into when we think we're getting to a place, though, isn't it? Like we're just like the minute we're through the door, stop the clock. Like I'm here, I'm I'm here. That's to Get on the plane. Yeah, it's like
1: it's like a save point in a video game. I don't actually consider (laughs) what happens when I get to the save point. I just assume, well, I'm here. It's a finish line, right? Um, The woman, uh, the attendant who helped us out, actually. She was great. I mean, we. she was the one who came over and explained, look, you know, we can't get you on. The You know, they've, they've closed up the you know, the luggage or whatever. Um, and so we were like, oh, okay, uh, you know, is there another flight we can get on? And And she did this sort of whole song and dance about there is another flight, but, you know, the onus is on you. You turned up late. So we kind of not – uh, aggressively, but just sort of stated our case that, well, we actually got here on time, like oh, yeah. the kiosk We were process. through the door. Stop the clock. Yeah. We stop both the out, stop <laughs> the clock. <'cause laughs> we through the door. <laughs> we broke the tape. It's a finish line. We win. Um, we just explained. But, you know, the, the benefit of having a small child with you, A, okay, the negative is it slows you down and you've got more luggage to check in. The benefit is no one's really going to be too mad at you because they know that, you know, your fucking day is
0: challenging as it is. They're not going to – most people aren't going to make it harder for you. Oh, that's often when I have an issue in that same sort of customer service scenario. I will actually just go up to a random stranger and give them 20 bucks to take their baby, just yeah. for the interaction. Not
1: even a baby. Sometimes you just go to a small person and say, hey, can you just jump into my arms? I'm going to wrap a blanket just around me, you. Let me swaddle you, mate. <laughs> Dude, up I've on got the a table, beard. You let matter. me
0: swaddle you. I've got to just settle this issue about the latte.
1: Well, it turns out I'm a method actor. If you're going to swaddle me, I'm going to soil myself. You okay to change my nappy? All right. I'm not going to change round.
0: it, but that's fine. <laughs>
1: So um, uh, you know, she she took pity on us, and uh, she said, "Look, I'll call her supervisor and and, and see if we can get on the next flight." And I've got to say, I think she really—I don't know if it's technically a power trip, but she enjoyed being our only hope. Like I right. think she took great pleasure in—I don't know what the person on the other li- on the other end of the line was saying, but she made it look like she was negotiating like a Middle East peace deal, like she was sort of explaining our situation and, and look, I, if there's anything that could be done and I understand that, you know, th- these are
0: the rules, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so she kept looking I to I mean, us. here's what I would say is I'm interested to know what the truth of this dance actually is because, mm. like, does an employee on the front line have the power of veto over a boss hire in the chain? Like is, that a poss- like, is that their task? I mean, it might be how they're empowered in that role. Like, it might be part of their role that you know, you have some discretion, but you just need to flag it with us. If you can make the case, then we're happy to sort of like bend the rules a little. Or like, this is like, hey, if there's ever an issue, it's okay. I'm not not even going to like be on the other end of the phone. I'm just going to put the phone down for a little bit and you pretend like you're negotiating with me as hard as you want to. No offense. It, we find it really diffuses a lot of situations.
1: Well, if I was to take a guess, I think that the supervisor on the other end of the line was actually not putting up that much resistance, yeah, but I right. think this lady was putting on a big show yeah. of how much she wanted to get us across the line, yeah. and that you know the supervisor
0: we'd... said that's fine and hung up, and she kept talking. She yeah, like, no. exactly. <laughs> God
1: damn it! These people need to get on this plane. God damn it! <laughs> Well, the thing was, so like she, um, she was advocating on our behalf to this person at the end of the line saying, look, you know, they got here on time. Apparently the kiosk took a long time Then they couldn't get through the queue, blah, blah, blah. They have a baby. They've got a pram. They've got a baby seat, all this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And so. And mayo. You wouldn't believe it. The conditions, there was the snowstorm. There was the blackout. Ah, nice. <laughs> a couple of skinny people walked in through the door. They looked like stick figures. <laughs> She,
1: but she, so she went through this thing of like advocating, like it was a, like a, you know, um, a courtroom drama. You know, she was in our corner. She was the, she was a plucky public defender standing up for the good guys. So she gets us, you know, onto the next flight. Um, That's all good. She hangs up. She starts picking up new boarding passes. Then she flips it. Then she goes from like plucky public defender to, Real scold, like real, real scold. Like she's got the boarding passes in her hands, but before she hands them over, she want to
0: let us know that we cut it too fine. Yeah, it's that a you teachable can't... moment. She has yeah. identified a teachable moment, and she has got you what you need. And then she thinks that you need to also learn an important lesson because this is a one-off. This is an exception. She has bent the rules this day, but this was your warning. It sounds like did you write time... the script for her
1: because that's almost <laughs> word for word. What she was saying, she's like, "This never happens. This never happens. Don't yeah. expect that you can rock up the airport this late. You've really got to give it more time than you have." And, and so we weren't, and we were putting up no resistance. Like it wasn't no, like we were because you've
0: got what you wanted. We this is what we wanted to receive a lecture.
1: Yeah, it was just. I mean, it's a good thing I had my mask on because there was a big smile on my face because I was like, "This is wonderful theatrics. Like I'm really enjoying." She's got some time on the mic now. Mm. She's going to really give it some. and so
0: Also, if there is such a time imperative, this seems like unnecessary time wasted for us rushing through with our baby through security. But anyway, sure. Go on, please. Well,
1: the time wasn't a a, a problem at that because we're on the next flight, so there's going to be a couple of hours. Oh, yeah, of course. But the funny thing was, so while that is all going on, there was a very glamorous, like she looked like a model, you know, designer clothes, perfect hair. She was also trying to check in. At one of the kiosks behind us, but she also, I assume, had turned up too late, and she didn't have nearly as much luggage as us. Just a couple of, you know, like a small suitcase and maybe some hand luggage. And so, after we got the scold and the lecture, and you know, be on your way, we gave the boarding pass. I saw because the, the model type lady was observing us, so she was like, "Okay, well, this lady seems very helpful, so she she's walked great. up. She'll be fine I'll after us to, her. to Oh man! No, baby. No way! (laughs) Bloody like double whammy. Get stuffed. No one's helping you. You already won. You've already won in life. You won the lottery of looks. No one's helping you, lady.
0: (laughs) Yeah, fuck you. Fuck the sisterhood. Burn it all down. (laughs)
1: Uh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I did actually end up seeing that girl. I think she eventually, I don't know if she ended up having to buy, uh, pay her way into the flight or maybe she had to endure a longer lecture than we did, but she did eventually make it onto the flight. Um, but all of this is a, is a long way of talking about packing up the apartment, which has been, you know, it's been quite a uh, 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 more cathartic and more emotional than I was anticipating. Mm-hmm. Because How long have you been in that apartment? Uh Five years, five years. But we have belongings in there that have, Spanned not only our entire relationship of seventeen years, but before we met each other. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, we have like photo albums and keepsakes and family heirlooms and all this kind of stuff. But we sort of had made this decision that we're not going to bring everything with us. Like we said, we're set is, all on
0: fire. <laughs> we're going to burn the apartment down for the insurance.
1: All on fire. Because Gemma, you know, as you know, was often in our group of friends was the photographer. She was always the one with a camera out and snapping photos. And so we literally have you know, dozens of boxes of old school photos. Kids, before your iPhones, if you wanted to capture a moment, you had to get a bloody camera or a little uh, disposable camera. So, you know, we have all these memories. And so we basically, you know, divided the piles up and said, go through, we're not keeping everything, only key moments, only key memories, only key moments. And so it was kind of like this, uh, it was this real... It was a trip down memory lane that made me go because there was photos of us, you know, in our 20s when, God, we were young and thin and just so full of fucking hope and and the world had so many possibilities in it. Oh
0: man, and I was looking at a, this photo. Hope was probably the name of one of the pills. <laughs> I, don't know.
1: I was looking at this photo of me and a bunch of friends all, all over you know, at the full moon party in Thailand in like 2000, I think it was you know, probably tripping on mushrooms, I'd say. I don't remember much about the four men party, so I'm assuming that's what happened. But I was looking at this photo and going, that saying about youth being wasted on the young, it's so true. It's so true because its if you could take the knowledge you had now and go back, you would go, hey, kid, look, I'm not, I, sorry, young guys enjoying your party. I just want you to make Just take more time with this moment, but just enjoy this because it's not going to last long. You think you're going to be young and invincible forever, but it's not going to last that long. Who's this
0: Debbie Downer? Who's this old guy (laughs) ruining the fun? Who called the cops? It was just, it was so that, 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 those, that era in,
1: in my life, it, 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 it feels simultaneously like yesterday, but also a million miles away from where I am now. I don't, want to go back that time i don't well, want so to go to the full this moon is it, party right? or... because you could yeah. like you actually
0: could yeah like you could go to the full moon party well not at the moment but at some stage in the future you could probably go to the full moon party you could trip on mushrooms you could be even some of those parties we went to as young people there was like an old person there like there was yeah. always some random old person some guy. Who got diverse, normally asleep on the couch crumbling, was having their like 20s again or whatever like you could be that You could be the dude paying for the drinks, like the that everyone like I mean, that was a bit like what it was like for you on Home and Away. Like you I don't I mean, as in you were surrounded by this younger generation of like people who were living through those times where you had already sort of mostly graduated from those times, but because you worked with them and you were friends with them, occasionally you were probably dragged into their some of their good young times, reconnecting with like, oh yeah, I used to that used to be me. Yeah, I'm 100%. I think hanging around
1: young people, like there was those times where it's like, oh, yeah, like this is exciting for a minute. Like yeah. it's exciting <laughs> for a minute. It's exhausting. Yeah, I it think it, where it would always be a reality check was like, so just say, you know, one of the kids was having, like, he was. A, I went to a 21st, for instance, and that was fine and, you know, that was all fun. And then because they're all in their 20s, they want to go to a nightclub afterwards. Yeah. And I would go to the nightclub and as soon as I walked in, I'm like, ah. I made a mistake. It was fine at the house when everything was sort of contained, but now this is hard work. This is it's too loud, and there's nowhere to sit. And
0: why does it smell so weird in here? I was thinking about when I gave up on going out to places, and it was quite a long time ago. I remember, um, you know, when I was in LA. Like, you know, I lived there for like ten years on and off, and I never went to like. I mean, I went to the Chateau Marmont. Like, do you mean? But I didn't. Like I never went to like a nightclub or like out on the town. I had agents at the time who were like, you know, if you ever want to be on like the door at some club or like sort you out and stuff like that. And I just, even then was like, that does not seem like something that I would enjoy doing. And the idea now that I ever did is becoming so foreign to me. Like I was thinking about it. Um, I was in Wagga Wagga on the weekend doing shows and, you know, it's Saturday night and you do your show and I just go back to like a Quest motel and eat a Domino's pizza and (laughs) that's my Saturday night, you know, which I am fine with. Watch the footy in bed, you know, like it's fine. But there would have been a period of time in my life where you'd be like, oh, great. Now, like the show's done, like where's the party. party at? Let's go to the pub. Let's go and meet people. Let's go and like have some fun and some adventures and well, Make I guess it's decisions. it's sort of like what you were looking for back then. Like you're either wanting
1: to get like wasted or wanting to chase girls or, you know. So none of those things
0: really appeal. Like I am at a stage no. now where even like- well, I'm not drinking now. Drinking. I, yeah. On Sunday, on Sunday night, I had a cup of tea on stage. Like <laughs> and my, I was like, why not? I took out a cup of tea and I just like for the first half of the show, was just drinking a very nice cup of tea while I was doing my show. Well, it's not so much that I'm not drinking. I just
1: drink much harder liquor because I don't have to drink as much of it. So a glass of scotch, Will, uh, of an evening will, will, will do me quite nicely. Uh, so while I'm doing this trip down memory lane and stuff and, you know, just really having to choose what's going to come and what's not going to come and um, shredded like 15 years worth of tax and business documents, which is very cathartic, anything that's beyond that kind of, you know, that threshold for if I'm possibly audited. But it's amazing, like to think now that everything's digital. Like, you know, I do I do all my uh, tax and business on, on online software, and it's like I was literally went into the office, work to this guy, and said, um, "You know, how does the shredder work?" And he's like, "Well, you just you know bring up your binders." And I said, "No, I, you don't understand. I've got a car filled with close to twenty years worth of like business and tax documents. I'm going to be coming up and down here like The Master's Apprentice, that that Disney film." And he's like, "No, it's a, it's going. It's all right." And then after the sixth big, giant plastic tub of documents that I brought up. He was like, mate, we only have one bin. We do it We do it off-site. It's one shredding bin. You're going to have to come back tomorrow. So I had to do two separate visits to just shred like a, a, an entire kind of part of my life. Like, you know, Jim and I had a, a production company together and, you know, we have like, uh, like literally like uh, t- piles and piles of rushes and tapes and hard drives right. filled with stuff that we've shot. And it's like... I mean, I feel like sort of we should archive this, but at the same time, I never want to see any of this again. Like, is this important to my narrative? Is this something Iona is going to be curious about? Like what mum and dad used to do? Like, will will anyone want to see this?
0: Yes, I think so. I think you've got to keep like something. things that things that sum up a greater whole. So like whatever it is, like, There's 40 photos about like, you know, a night out with particular friends and you're just like, look, this one photo really just reminds me of that night and that time. And that's going to be, I think sometimes that's more powerful anyway. Then there's that one photo that reminds you of your time. It's like an anchor to those times rather than like a series of photos that you don't have enough of a connection to every one of them. That night becomes about that one particular photograph and then eventually that story is just whatever you feel about that night and that time is triggered by just looking at that one image. I think you've got to keep – but, yeah, like things like, you know, that the, your parents made films or – like you don't have to have everything. There's no. probably stuff you don't want to show. But, like, evidence that that was part of your life is very important, I would have thought. Yeah. I mean, she's I mean, you- obviously got, you know – 300 quality podcasts to listen to. (laughs) There are, like, there are some, I
1: mean, the the thing about, you'll notice about when you're looking at celluloid, like film photos you've taken is that like nowadays with your phone, you'll snap like 10 photos of the same thing. Whereas back then you're a bit more specific about what you'd photograph or you'd actually make people get together so you could snap a shot. You weren't as, you weren't just as happy snappy, but, I could, my rule was basically if I'm not friends with – if there's anyone in this photo who's that I'm not still friends with, see you later. Like I don't – unless it's like a really good photo and there just happens to be someone. But I, there's like there's ex-girlfriend holidays that I went on with ex-girlfriends. There was like, you know, my – when I did my, my sort of gap year holidays and all this kind of stuff. It's like, well, you know, I mean, I guess this is interesting. It's me sort of backpacking around
0: Vietnam
1: and India and Thailand and stuff. But how many photos of this – do I need? Cause
0: I literally had, you lessons. need enough that if at some stage your life becomes something that people want to reflect on, like, you know, whether it's like a book about your life or a movie about you or come some on. sort of, well, you never know. There yeah. still might be shit to come. Even if it's just like, you're the dad of the, like the woman who came up with the scientific <laughs> formula that healed humanity or whatever. Can you, you believe like- this moron,
1: this guy who had this podcast, <laughs> his daughter invented like perpetual energy. I mean, maybe <laughs> well okay so what's your take on journals because i i had there's probably close to 20 journals and a lot of them like i would never go back and read they were just like stream of consciousness kind of journals but i was like ah oh. i mean my mum when she passed away left behind a bunch of journals and we loved those like but my mum was in a wee way much better writer <laughs> than i was she was mine are just all blah whereas she was you know she would sort of think about something and, and put pen to paper when she had something to actually say, would you keep,
0: how many of those journals would you keep? Oh God, there's the whole sh- uh, previous shows that were the distillation of my entire ideas for a year into one hour that I want to burn. The idea <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that right. like I would like, no, I was actually talking to Alex Lee for an episode of philosophy that people will get to hear soon um, about The idea that, because I had a near-death experience recently, and I'm absolutely fine, not injured in any way. It was just one of those things that 10 centimeters another way could have had disastrous consequences. And one of the things that I kept coming back to is, at the moment, I have so many half-finished projects. Mm. And I was thinking about which of those projects I would be happy for somebody to finish like (laughs) posthumously. Yeah, right. and, and which of them I would pe- like people to like to like at, to the point where I'm thinking should I have a file that says delete upon death, which is just <laughs> like ideas that are not at a point that I want people to know that that is my idea. You don't want a Jeff Buckley
1: situation where suddenly your mum's kind of getting all your your kind of uh, uh, all your session tapes and just like remastering them and releasing them as complete songs when clearly it was just Jeff doodling around with a guitar.
0: Jeff Buckley's mum and Tupac's mum get in a room and they're like with my mum and they're like, We've got a way we can really monetize some of this shit. Like we've got a bunch of knock knocks, but we've got no punchlines. What do we do with that? Yeah. I mean, because there's things on there that sometimes just are almost notes to myself about things that like often they just sit around and sometimes they like for example, there was an idea I had a couple of years ago about like writing a comedy movie. Um, that was about um, a bunch of like people essentially it was just like i was trying to think of something that you could just shoot in one house basically you know like and so yeah. the idea was that these group of people would fake to this family this really rich family that had like an emergency like sort of you know bunker or whatever like a panic room style situation but more like a survivalist sort of like bunker because they were paranoid about the end of the world, that they would fake the end of the world in order to rob them, essentially was the premise of the yeah the thing. And then it was just like a comedy sort of like set piece about that unfolding. And then like Parasite happened and now there's like an Australian TV series that's like about the staff robbing like a necklace. So it's just one of those those ideas now that will never become anything more than what it was because some other things have stepped into that space and sort of like done their own things in there. But I haven't deleted it yet because mm. there was something good in the idea originally that like maybe I'll use for something else. But I don't want people just finding that shit and just going, why Why was his idea for a movie two other movies that have already been made?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I think with all the personal journaling stuff, I got rid of most of those. But I found stuff like, you know, when Michael Chamberlain and I were at uni together, when we were 19, like sketches that we wrote and just all these little things that are like, oh, this is – interesting like i think you know maybe if iona does have an interest in creative writing at some point that you know that's something i can share with her like i i have um you know through primary school all my exercise books where i wrote my short stories and all that kind of
0: stuff surely for toe content alone you've got to keep those well that is i mean we you know we i mean we we, we are thinking about doing a live show again at some stage and i would have thought that going through your early diaries to see what comedy gold you were coming up with back there might might pad out a lot of that time. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I I have thought about that. That's definitely I mean, read by John Deeks, perhaps? Like, I mean... <laughs> yeah. that Oh, that's a great idea. John Deeks re- reading your childhood stories? That's that's really good. I mean, there are
1: some extraordinary ones. Where I'm like, how did my teachers let me get away with this? This is clearly a troubled kid. Like, I think if it was today, I'd be referred to some kind of counsellor. Like, one was just like a violent revenge how, how long revenge are these fantasy. stories? Oh, well, like, some of them... Are just like easily, you know, like just one full scat page. There's one that yeah. about um, fantasizing See, about my sister the idea, being murdered like, by a wolf man.
0: <laughs> oh, mate, we should honestly, like, for our the next live show, we should get Deeksy to read the stories, and then we just kind of like dollop style, we toe fop in between, like just riffing off these stories. That should be what the live show is. I, that that would be so much fun. I just, uh, As we're talking, uh, just a little side note,
1: I just got an email from the 20 Volt Studio. Uh, They want me to join them for an eight-week winter challenge. Hi, Charlie. We're launching our very first eight-week winter challenge starting July 1st. Let's walk (laughs) towards your
0: fitness goals and get your body ready for summer. What do you reckon? (laughs) Click. Have I learned anything? Um, I mean, eight weeks. I mean, that's like 300 years worth of exercise, isn't it? (laughs) According to them. no, all of this, Will, is is leading to
1: to one question that I thought that maybe you could help me out with. Uh-huh. And I feel like maybe we've discussed this before, but we never got to an answer. But one of the things that I have in my apartment in Sydney is like a family, well, something, really of a keepsake, because no one in my family wanted it. I, for some reason, decided I want to keep it. But um, as you know, my father was a dentist. And uh, when you are practicing medicine or when you're studying medicine, they often give you like... Um, you know, uh, uh, things to work on. And because he was a dentist, my father had a human skull, uh, which he would use when he was at university. So this is an actual human skull, someone who donated their body to science. It had been in the family for a long time. And um, I think there's even a photo of my dad uh, at a going to a fancy dress party dressed as Hamlet and he's got like the skull. He's doing the Yorick speech, which uh, I always thought was pretty clever. Um, So I had this skull in my possession uh, in my apartment in Sydney and Gemma is adamant that the skull is not coming with us to the Northern Rivers. She's like, the skull, we're done. We don't need the skull. I don't want the skull in the house. I don't want Iona finding the skull. So I'm now left with a situation of how do I dispose of human remains and how do oh, I do it in a way? Well,
0: I mean, I uh, yes, because I want to e- explore the <laughs> idea. So, like, I'm, so firstly, in an improv sense, yes and. Yes Strap and. me in, very happy to explore it. However, just on a really practical note, we'll have your skull. You want the skull? Oh, Amy would love the skull, I'm sure. Like in that that way, the skull is not in your house, but you know that the skull is, if at any stage you need to feel connected to your dad and you need to, you know where the skull is at short notice. Yeah, all right. Well, that seems like a All right. Well, problem solved. But I mean, okay, I have that's... just offered without running it by my partner that we bring human remains into the house. So, I will have to run it oh, by Oh, well, her, the but... funny
1: thing was like, cuz mum had the skull in her apartment. So, after she passed away and, you know, me and my brothers and sisters cleaned out her apartment, I actually so we did this thing of we went round each room and um before we we either donated to charity or we sold or whatever, and so but any family member had the opportunity to say I want to keep that. So, um, and I thought there was going to be like a, a stampede towards the skull. In my head, it was like, because growing up, it was like, you know, only on special occasions would dad go to the cupboard, go to the top shelf, unwrap the skull and let you hold the skull. It was like a
0: big deal. So in my head, it was like this. First forbidden. time you went into a bar and you saw the top shelf liquor, you were like, oh, where well, they kept the skull. <laughs> That's get like out. Let's get that. Yeah. Well, I guess, isn't that Dan Aykroyd? Isn't his tequila or That's something? True, or his It is. Vodka, it is. It comes in a you crystal skull. You basically invented that before Dan Aykroyd. I Your did. dad out but Dan Dan aykroyd
1: Aykroydded Dan Aykroyd. So, um, yeah, no one wanted it. And so I, I got the skull. And I remember because I flew it from Melbourne to Sydney and I just put it in my hand luggage. And I was like, well, this could get awkward. Like, as I go through security, if, like, if it, it sends off any se- sensors and someone's like, why are you traveling with a human skull? <laughs> But it didn't. I, I was actually surprised it did not, because it looks like a skull. I mean, as it goes through the x-ray, surely, I mean, the jaw is kind of dislocated. It's sort of held on with wires. But it, surely
0: someone should have picked up that there's a human head in that guy's luggage. I mean, yes, but there's no restrictions against taking a human head onto a plane, is there? Like, I think there is. I think, there, it, I think you can't travel around with... Let's get. Isn't it like biohazard or something like that? Has it? No, because well, this is. If it had bits of flesh on it, (laughs) I'm sure. But like, this is clearly a dried up old skull. I think you can probably. Is that okay? Travel from state to state with a dried up old skull. Okay. All right. Well, I don't feel as bad about that. Okay. So let's let's uh, uh, you adopting
1: the skull aside. Yeah. If I had to dispose of it, what would you suggest? I mean. Because initially I was like, well, I'll just bury it. And then I'm like, no, that creates problems whoever moves into the house because then they'll dig it up. They won't know where it's come from. They'll call the police. They'll have to do some kind of dental record check and then it gets traced back to my family and perhaps someone gets in trouble.
0: Could you combine, just in your scenario, because what you're talking about is the idea that you want to put it somewhere. You it, It's in Sydney. You don't want to travel with it because obviously you live in the country now. So if you needed to dispose of it, it would be very easy to do. You could just find some place in the country and like, yeah, you but know, even, literally. Even then
1: I feel bad because bushwalkers always seem to find bodies. Like Jem gets really worried. Oh, mate, whenever you
0: were, but like, but where we live, you would yeah. dig up three, you would dig up three other bodies actually trying to bury your skull. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, no one's, it's <laughs> like, it's like just nonstop skull.
1: Been, I'm always saying to Jen, whenever we drive through like a, a dense part of the mm. forest or whatever, I'm always like mm. You can stop
0: I could, I could murder someone here. Yeah. I you could, could just stop <laughs> I, I could, stop could
1: stop the car right here, murder someone, and throw yeah. them in the ditch. Wouldn't even have to bury them that day, no. but no one would ever find them. I mean, who's going
0: to be yeah, looking probably. in this
1: exact spot?
0: But exactly. they always do. No, they don't. Like we hear of the ones where they do. It's all the ones that they like. Do you think do you is your honest opinion that like every Buried body gets stumbled upon because I actually think they're stumbling upon a small percentage of the buried bodies.
1: Oh, that's a good question. Are there more bodies buried that haven't been discovered than ones yeah. that have been discovered?
0: There's lots think, of people go missing and are never seen again.
1: I guess so. I don't know. I just figured that, like, whenever you hear those stories, you know, like with um, Ivan Milat and stuff, it was like it's so unlikely that someone would find those bodies, but they did. Like he
0: went, he went out yeah, of his way. Eventually, to go and- though, like he killed a whole bunch of people first which means that you can get away with it <laughs> you know like yeah, I guess he was also like a success like he showed that even a guy who can get caught can get away with it for a fair while so that says to me that there are people who are smarter and more cunning and more evil than ivan black who just have got away with it
1: Okay, but we're, we're not like, we're, we're doing nothing smarter than just burying. We're not like yeah.
0: incinerating
1: or destroying the evidence first. It's just
0: burying. Well, tell well, me this. The fact like- that you're even referring to it as evidence <laughs> is problematic. I would start saying it's because it is not. You've got to stop thinking about it as something that you. are
1: acting guilty already.
0: <laughs> right. It's the Catholic like- in me. Regardless of your innocence, you are going to come off to the cops very fucking guilty in this scenario, particularly when you keep referring to it as the evidence. It is not even your dad's skull. It's just a skull that he had to work on as a dentist. Like, it's been around forever. There's no biohazard. It's completely fine to... But is there... And this might be a bit disrespectful, but could you combine two of the things that you identify, firstly saying goodbye to your father, but also saying goodbye to the long and tumultuous relationship you've had with the bins in that particular apartment, could you put it on the top of the bin? So put some rubbish in, then just place the skull on the top of the bin and then just put your bin out way too early and wait sort of like bait bus style for like people to come along. Bait bin? Bait bin, right? So lure people to your enticing bin out there on the curb we're yeah. going to be filled up with the rubbish that they have in their hands, the dirty, dirty bin. And then when they go to open the lid, they see the skull. They get a little fright and they are forced in that moment to evaluate whether they should have been putting rubbish in that bin or not.
1: Well, what would you do if you uh, were sneaking across to dump some rubbish in a neighbor's bin and you saw a skull? Would you call the police?
0: No, you're Mr. I don't get involved. You wouldn't be shit. <laughs> pretend that I had never seen the skull. <laughs> would you really know if it was a human skull?
1: I mean, you wouldn't know if it was real or not. I guess it could be a prop or something.
0: Yeah. My initial thought would be that somebody wouldn't put a human skull, like a, if they were just disposing of a body, that they wouldn't just put it in their bin. So my immediate assumption would be that it wasn't um, like, you know, that it wasn't anything sus. But my also other impulse would be and... I'm going to settle on that being the correct assumption and do no further investigation. I'm sure it's fine. What's well,
1: funny you should bring up the bins because on my return to Sydney, um, the bins which normally sit on the street as discussed numerous times in this podcast weren't weren't there. And uh, the downstairs, the neighbors that I've had the run-ins with, the ones who run the shop, they have some bins in their courtyard, but the ones that sit on the street weren't there. And so as I'm tidying up the apartment, I'm like where the what are the bins? where am I going to put my put my rubbish? So I just assumed that what's happened, because I think I mentioned it on the podcast, the council set out a note saying no bins on the footpath. You've got to keep them on your premises. You can't just keep them out on the street. So I assumed that what had happened is that uh, my landlord had taken note of that and instructed all the people who were renting to, to bring their bins in. So I went and dumped my rubbish in my neighbor's bin downstairs, thinking, well, that's the communal bin. Um, but then I spoke to my other neighbor, who lives underneath me, Dean, and he was like, no, 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 I don't know where the bins are. They disappeared like three days ago and we have no idea where they went. That's just – that's the other guys. That's his that's his personal use bin. So then I'm like, motherfucker, like I have to now go back down into this guy's bin and pull the rubbish out, even though I hate these guys and they really have made my life very difficult over the last five years living there and I didn't want it, but I was like, just – I'll wait till it's the last day because I've still got to go back next week. I've got more packing to do. I'll wait till the last day before I do my big fuck
0: you, but man, I don't man, want trouble. i fucking stuff some shit in there. We're going to fucking day. stuck a skull.
1: I'm, oh, my God. We've arrived at what I need to do with the skull, Will. I need to fucking bury it in their courtyard and then tip off the police
0: that there's been a murder, <laughs> historical murder. The, the the you know what it'd be though it'd be a Netflix documentary where that's what you did as a fuck you they they dug it up they realized it was a guy who'd been murdered and he'd been murdered by a dentist and your dad knew the dentist murderer like you know like he'd actually got the skull from the that's how the the dentist murderer well he was probably like us the guy behind the skull company because some there's got to be that person right yeah and this guy's like we've got all these dentists who want these skulls but you know what I don't get enough of. Skulls. You know what? This is a real like, hitchhike at a table scenario where <laughs> <Yeah, yeah>, I <yeah. laughs> start creating my own skulls. You could call it sweet
1: tooth or toothache. Yes. <laughs> sweet tooth. It always has some kind of creepy implication, the true crime stuff. I mean, do you think I could frame No, I couldn't frame him. Because unless, if you put an anonymous call into the cops and say, hey, look, I think that there's a skull buried in the backyard.
0: <laughs> right. So what's your I name? Mean, how, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> We're tracing this call. We're actually you're actually in the police station. You're actually standing at the counter of the police station. You realize you're not making a call.
0: <laughs> you have your finger to your ear, <laughs> yeah. but you're definitely just talking to me. <laughs> All right. So I'm
1: not gonna I'm not gonna frame them. Um, okay. You could so, scare him.
0: You could just put the skull in there and they like almost as like a a warning, like just a sort of like a-
1: They're curse. such weirdos. I bet you like, I mean, part of me thinks that maybe yeah. they do satanic rituals at night. Like maybe this was just, <laughs> This is just part of like something that they they want. Like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. to see like a bloody pentagram in the, in the floor of their shop or something like that. And this is like, oh, great. Human sacrifice, just what we needed.
0: Is there a chance that they have communed <laughs> with the spirit of the- Oh, the dead skull. Yeah. And the reason that they've actually moved into that apartment is literally to be closer to you guys and closer to this skull. And they've been, been on this like campaign to try to like liberate the skull. I mean, that would, that actually checks out because the timeline, yeah. <laughs> the timeline is almost
1: exactly then. Like we moved into that place at the end of 2005 when my mother, uh, 20, 2015, when my mother died and the clean out happened within. You know, six months of that. So, yeah. chances are, like, these people... Are you saying, like, omen style? Like, there's some kind of shadowy network of Satanists to kind of, like, monitor... You
0: know, if this is some kind of, like, unholy well, maybe relic... They, maybe they're getting messages from... The skull. Like, the the skull. But they need to be in close proximity to the skull to receive the messages. And so... Is that like, why they would always complain about music, the music being too loud? Because they Right, because it was drowning it, out the messages. The, the messages just the the skull. skull. And so what
1: about the why did they get so angry when I got carpet cleaners after my dog had died? What, what explain what was going on there? What, what was the skull issue there? Um
0: interesting. I don't know. And why'd they build be? that
1: little fence around the only tree on their nature tip so
0: so Junior couldn't take a wee? Why did they do that? Maybe because the skull told them to. Right. Right. Point. So, like, maybe it wasn't an issue for them as much as it was an issue for the skull. We've been looking at it the wrong way around. So maybe the skull, I don't know, like the skull had a problem with Junior? Or maybe the skull was lashing out because it missed Junior. Like, yeah, I think... So. Well, it doesn't... if 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 everything, if every motive
1: that they had all their complaints and stuff was leading to one thing, what would it be? It was constant noise complaints, just sheer irrationality about sharing space, a common space with other people. Maybe sometimes I feel like they they wish for death. Like I I often think that they're so miserable that maybe like – life is a burden maybe if this is some un- unholy relic maybe the skull has promised them some kind of yeah. end to their pain or life eternal but it's or-
0: eating but it's eating away at them maybe they're right. being eaten away by their devotion to this skull right right and you know yeah the loud music is drowning out the messages that they're getting from the skull like i just think the general demeanor towards you you're not deserving of the skull they worship the skull they're getting right. messages from the skull and you treat the skull like it's something you can throw in the bin when you move house like that's why they resent you that's so why me they hate you
1: so me taking the bin and, up and giving it to you guys, does that just yeah. make it more painful for them? Does that just draw out their agony? Well, I guess that they may move like nearby. Oh
0: <laughs> if we see them down the shops, then we'll know. But I
1: would – look, if it turns out that me moving the skull will create yeah. some kind of excruciating pain for them, then I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's oh, do it right yeah. now.
0: You'll take the skull with you everywhere you go
1: for the rest of your life. <laughs> I mean, Gemma and I have discussed like, okay, we're out of this place now. Do we – is it like – is it, is there any kind of like – do we want to just like put a full stop on this this terrible relationship with our, we've had with our neighbours? Like we always thought – we have very rich friends. It's like could we convince rich friends of ours to buy the building so we can evict them? Like that was our – that was like our, our first step. And then it was like no, maybe we just want to let them know like that it's been – the last five years has been amazing apart. Everything's been amazing apart from living with you guys. like You have just had a, 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 an amazing way of, of making everything shit. You're terrible people. You're horrible people. You don't know what it's like to live in a community. But then I'm like, who's who's feeling better for that? Like There is a sense in me that's like I'd love to just tell them to go fuck themselves because it has been the only drawback of living in that apartment with these terrible fucking neighbors who seem to have no ability to live with other people. But does it just... Does it end there? Do you think? Do I get the satisfaction of saying, getting it off my chest, and saying "fuck you"?
0: I can understand the temptation, and I wouldn't. I, I, I'm sure over my life I've given into that temptation <laughs> to not be the graceful person at the end of it. But from my experience of the times where I've chosen to be the bigger person in those scenarios. Oh. Then I think um, I I feel better about those things, the ones that I was just willing to walk away from, than I feel about the ones that I feel like let's blow this shit up and you know okay. walk away from an explosion. Here's what I've been
1: doing the
0: last few days that I've been down there.
1: I've been waiting for provocation. Like I haven't. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to instigate. But I've I've loaded my six shooter and I'm like, okay, I got a bunch of things I want to say. Just keep walking by them, going, was it? Yeah, <laughs> seriously, I'm that dude at the pub. who will bump him, bump him on the stairs Can you say and stuff.
0: mate? Are you looking... What's up, mate?
1: Well, the thing about the dude is he's a, he's a real angry little passive-aggressive little gnome. Like, he doesn't actually say a lot. It's the woman who's, like, much more aggressive and in your face. And so I know that when the removalists arrive and the cleaners arrive, she's going to have something to say about it because, you know, she just fucking hates anything that disrupts her, the way her day goes. So... I am sort but of priming. What
0: can she say? You're moving out of a house. You have to get the house cleaned. Shut oh, up. she'll come. Com- yeah, I know. But this is the thing. What? <laughs> this is what I'm asking. See, you've already like given in after sort of taking the monk approach. You've just told her to shut up. Now, like. Yeah, but I wouldn't get in a fight. I'd just be like, come on. That's ridiculous. We're moving out of a house. Like, we're going to be gone okay. from your hair. This is the last you're ever going to have to deal with this. Let's just not have a fight. Today. Okay. But last time, Will, you remember last time
1: I tried to do that, she unplugged yeah. the hose of the carpet cleaner so we couldn't get the job done.
0: So what And then at- I would uh, dial up uh, the Kid Leroy's album and the, do, to the track that he does with Machine Gun Kelly called Fuck You, Goodbye, and I would play it as loud as I could over and over on repeat and I would put it on repeat um, and leave the house. Move, move, and just like like be willing to walk away from a stereo just so yeah. that you can have that playing. Buy the stereo just over, to leave yeah. it
1: behind. That's amazing. Yeah. That's actually, oh yeah, actually, give me my ideas because there is a stereo there that we're not taking with us. I was just going to take it to a yeah. charity shop, but maybe I just you're fucking, standing
0: outside their apartment, John Cusack style, with yeah. the stereo above your head, just blasting "Fuck You Goodbye." Oh, I love it. Okay, that's great. Uh, well, we've got some mail.
1: Um, if you want to send us uh, a message, you can. You can just go to tofop.com, and there's contact forms for all our podcasts down there. Philosophy, Two Guys, One Cup, uh, Tofop. Um, who's on philosophy this week, Will?
0: philosophy uh, this week? Oh, Damien Power. Very funny Brisbane comedian, Damien Power. I think three or four-time Best Show nominee at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, but just a uh, very long... Uh, rambling, um, you know, deep and hilarious and silly conversation with Damien. I really enjoyed it. It's a good episode. Uh, And we also have an AFL-adjacent podcast called Two Guys,
1: One Cup, which is just as this season drags on and St. Kilda find new and humiliating ways to lose games, uh, it's just getting worse and worse for me. Um, But pretty good year
0: for you, right, with the Bulldogs? Yeah. But, you know, we rarely talk about AFL on the podcast, to be honest. If you really are more interested in what, like, Players' favorite movies were three years ago, or why their favorite comedian is always Carl Barron. And BMW, always, then we have a podcast for you. Actually, someone did send us a message where they had compiled
1: all the pocket profiles we'd done, and how many of them had listed Carl Barron. It's something like there's eight, eight Carl Barrons as a favorite comedian. There's no even. There's no other comedians listed. I think maybe Kevin Hart gets a look in once or twice. I think Peter Hallier oh, Peter got, Hallier a look got in was.
0: at one <laughs> stage.
1: Straw anyone <minor laughs> got a look in? But, geez, Carl Barron has really got that market cornered. Um, Well, we just have a a, – in relation to how you'd escape some AI, we just have one quick email here from Andrew who says, uh, hey, Will and Charlie, just finished listening to the episode. We're trying to send messages without alerting your drone killers. Will, you have two loyal furry analog allies. Surely, during your month in the waterfall cave, you could train your dogs to deliver a message to Charlie. I can barely
0: train my dogs to go to the bathroom when it's 95% of the time outside. Your dogs aren't really like they're not trained. They're not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not dogs that, that kind obey of orders in any way. Dogs that you think you can actually tell something to. No, not really, no.
1: And they haven't really been to my house. So they couldn't like homeward bound style. You know how some animals they just instinctively know how to find their way to a place. Like they
0: wouldn't be able to find their way to my
1: have they been here Ramona, at all?
0: Think- Ramona wouldn't leave the cave. I, I think in the car. But Ramona would not leave the cave. If she was in the cave with me, she would just like stay in the cave with me. like Wherever I was, she would just stay. And Winnie might start with enthusiasm, but will get distracted by food and then just like roll in something. And then that would be the end of that entire plan. <laughs> uh, JD
1: writes in with a late entry for Macho Fop. Hey, lads. I realize I'm far too late for this, but I was listening to the Macho Fop saga unfolding, wishing I had something good to contribute. And I'd love to know if this recent adventure would have qualified me if it happened earlier. Okay, so this is a non-unofficial submission for Macho Fop. Good. He just wants he just wants a take. I recently got into a down I recently got into downhill mountain biking after going out a few times with a mate. Started pretty slow, sticking mostly to flat tracks and skipping the bigger jumps. But it wasn't long before I was hitting 40k's an hour downhill on a gravel track and doing jumps built for far younger men. I'm in my early 30s. It wasn't long before I bought my own bike. The second trip out on my new bike, it happened. I was flying down a hill and the tyres slipped on the loose gravel. Before I knew it, my forehead, forehead struck a giant rock. I was wearing a helmet, but the force of the rock pushed it upwards, making it mostly useless. In fairness, it was a road bike helmet, not made for mountain biking. I dragged my bike off the track to get out of the way of the other riders and put my hand up to assess the damage. Safe to say it wasn't great. The guy right behind me stopped to help and tried to keep me calm until an ambulance arrived. The first thing the paramedic said was that he could see my skull. (laughs) Was it my skull? Oh no, different skull. They walked me back thirty minutes through the bush, and spent and I spent the next two days in hospital. Had a bit of surgery, and now have a scar across my forehead, and get called Harry Potter pretty regularly. And what might take away the macho points, my wife made me sell the mountain bike immediately. <laughs> but considering we have a three-year-old baby girl on the, uh, uh, but considering we have a three-year-old and a baby girl on the way, um, there was no way I was putting up a fight. In slightly different circumstances,
0: I mightn't have been around. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, JD. Um, that's Personally, pretty much JD right? sounds like what you'd have to drink a lot of before you got me on a mountain bike going down a fucking mountain. Secondly, JD, this is this is only how this story was ever going to end. Like, the mistake you made was when you went in the first place. Yeah. Like, I'm glad you had some good times on the jumps and stuff, but you nearly fucking killed yourself and left your family behind because you clearly were doing something that you should not be doing. But
1: if he was if JD was 20.
0: And he yeah. was doing it. Would you say, yeah, that's fair enough. Mm-hmm. Go smash your head. Is it just because he has responsibilities yeah. now? If, if JD was Tony Hawk, I'd enter him in the X Games, but he is not. <laughs> he's in his early 30s and he's gone out mountain biking with his mates when he's got a young fucking child. And then he's gone, you know what? I should invest some of our family money into buying myself my own bike so I can almost kill myself. I'm
1: amazed that he struck that rock with enough impact that he could split his head open and expose
0: his skull, yeah. but he was still conscious. Yeah. I mean you think in that moment the one thing you'd want to be is like <laughs> Yeah. Like you, that's yeah, when you just that's... want to wake up
1: and get told how amazing that accident was. Whoa, you wouldn't believe it, man. You split your head yeah. open. You don't want to fucking walk for half an hour through the bush holding your head yeah. together. I want to wake up with a headache and not be sure why. my brother told me this story once and I don't know if it's an urban myth, but he reckons that um uh cause so we used to have to catch the train line to school. There's about a 40 minute train ride into the city and A game we used to play was we'd force open the doors and you would like stick your head out or spit out or do all that kind of shit. Every kid did it. And my brother told me that there was a kid from the rival school who did it, stuck his head out, head got hit by a pole. And when they arrived at the other station, his teammates were having to hold his skull together. He was conscious. They had to walk him off the train, like blood pouring down his face, holding his skull together like a split watermelon.
0: Um, urban myth I'm going to say urban myth but urban myth created by somebody who was trying to make the point that some shit like that could happen like it feels like to me somebody's taken a bit too much creative license I feel like that person would be dead in that story, if it had happened exactly, well it depends how he said at it what happened.
1: stage of the train taking off. If the train was just pulling out of the station, it wasn't like
0: traveling it. So the train's moving out of the station at forty-five <laughs> kilometers an hour, but there's another train moving in the opposite direction at seventy-five kilometers. I think it was a pole. Range. I don't think it was a train. I think he, he struck a pole, but your
1: point, your point is made. Uh Orin writes in, two colin Fop, as a nearly a tradeie, my dad did geotechnical construction, uh, foundation, foundation walls, retaining walls, etc. I worked for him in high school and college and I have an architecture degree and I work in design. I would like to help you answer two questions because remember I asked that question, is it helpful when tradies come around to sort of go out and help them or is it, am I more of a nuisance? He says, one, your help is only really useful if you either have some experience in a trade or can do things like carry around materials so they'll be ready for them the next day in the location they need to be if they are exceptionally heavy but do it after they leave for the day so you stay out of the way. Right. Okay. Well, I think I got one third of that correct. I was moving around heavy things, but I was not preparing materials for the next day and I definitely was getting in their way. That
0: does make sense though. That's like – because that's making the best of both your time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the last thing you want is some fucking gung-ho dickhead jumping on the tools. Like – don't mate like a you're probably going to lose a finger b you're going to slow us down and we're just going to have to fix up what you've tried to do
0: well i guess it's like so we have like a very big garden and a very kind of involved garden here and so like once a fortnight there's a guy comes out for like he's there from like eight in the morning to like one in the afternoon and he like you know works on the garden like i work on it constantly but he actually comes in as an expert and knows you know what to prune to what point and whatever. And I have found the best way for us to work is me leave him alone and I go and do my work when he's doing his work. And then the next day I collect all the shit and put it in a pile and burn it. That's my bit of it. He doesn't need to do that. I just need to clean up afterwards from what he's done. Oren continues, "Uh, someone unskilled
1: offering to help is usually just more work trying to train them into doing it wrong. So you have to do it again. Otherwise, the best way to save money is to trade some skills you have for some skills that they have. If they oh, want yeah. to do a radio ad or a podcast plug, trade your much more valuable skills for theirs or any other skills that you or your wife have. It's much more useful. Two, the tool brand is pronounced cry, is pronounced Cryobi, like the sound that wakes you up at night plus old Ben from Star Wars. The reason being, the brand has nothing to do with Rye and within 20 or 40 hours of use, they'll be completely useless and you will cry over the fact that you didn't buy more expensive or better tools not made by TTI like Ryobi, Rigid or Milwaukee. Thanks for watching and thanks for all the wonderful conversations between two old mates. All right. So I just bought a new Ryobi tool as well, by the way. I bought a second drill. (laughs) So I'm fucked now.
0: No, I think, I think (laughs) Crayobi, Crayobi is, I think that it's daddy's first toolkit, right? Okay. Yeah. That's, this is your, this is your starter kit. You know, you get the price. Exactly. Like you're not an expert. This is, this is talking from people who know what they're talking. Then you'll move into like the actual tools of the trade. Yeah. What are that Makita and shit? I've got no idea (laughs) and I never will.
1: (laughs) Uh, Michael wrote in, um, uh, It's it's a complicated subject line. The two-column fop, killer AI and moldy dicks. Oh, I mean decks. Okay. Got the pun. Great. Um, Okay. Hey, guys. Add another doctor listener to the other... (laughs) Sorry. Let me try that again. Add another doctor to the listener list. I'm a research doctor, PhD, rather than a medical doctor. So keeping me laughing isn't yet keeping people living. But I'm medical adjacent. I'm working on wound healing treatments for diabetics, so it might ultimately keep people living. We'll take it, right?
0: Okay, yeah, I'll take it, absolutely.
1: Regarding the thought of will evading the killer drone and hiding while leaving clues for Charlie, it seems like the easy way would be the Patreon messages, but it would have to be obscure. Something something like things that are obviously wrong or things said off podcast that only Charlie would know. Mentioning something specific in AFL, but getting it wrong, or saying Will always liked Zack Snyder's gloomy Superman, or conversely, didn't like the Nolan Batman films, seems like a starting point to trigger Charlie's suspicions that something is up for a new listener question. Yeah, but how are you
0: accessing a computer to leave a Patreon message? That's that's difficult. And plus, there's a credit card trail on those sort of things. Plus, also, it's hard to differentiate when you listen to our stuff, what we're getting wrong on purpose or we're getting wrong completely by accident. So <laughs> yeah. I feel and like... Off- don't remember what we've talked about. So,
1: I mean, I think... I mean, how would I know it was you? Like, if I mean, if, you, if you're if you using some kind of nom de ple, mm. uh, or pseudonym, how would I know it was you if, without you saying it was you? It's me, Barkas Montempelli. Ah, oh, yeah, got it. Yeah, that's Will. <laughs> Drone strike that internet cafe. <laughs> uh, regarding the dirty deck, expecting a fosdike with a dirty di- a dirty dicky deck, and Charlie thinking he's a bit colorblind, that may be the case, or it might be the case, that Gemma is seeing the mildew with a mild superpower. She might be, and I believe it's pronounced tetrachromatic. That is having two types of red sensing cones in her eyes, effectively a fourth type of light sensor in the eye. This allows tech tet tet allows these people to see extra shades of red as opposed to most of us with just three light sensors in the eye. Sure, it's a pretty mild superpower, but it allows millions of extra colors to be seen compared to regular folk. It is thought to be about one in 10 women. Oh, there you go. But likely a higher rate in artists. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, But this is just conjecture from online reporters. I haven't yet seen any data on the rate of artists. Unfortunately, online tests aren't reliable as RGB, red, green, uh, blue monitors, don't have a wide enough range, so you can't test yourself easily. Someone did actually send me an online colorblind test, which I passed, which made me feel better, but according to uh, Michael, maybe that wasn't the best way to see. Maybe going online isn't the best way to diagnose yourself as being colorblind or not. You know what I
0: – but, I mean, if it's one in ten women, like the There's likelihood that – yeah, Gemma would have it like particularly as you said photographer artist like director now like it is about you know it would not surprise me that if she had like a heightened sense of visual recognition well
1: we met an artist um
0: around here who uh
1: were looking at one uh, she had some property that we're looking at for a location and there's this, she had this like really psychedelic artwork not like psychedelic in the imagery but the colors really like fluoro bold colors and she said that she was born with like whatever these the 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 color cones she had like extra like but not just one she had like multiple so she does she sees like all these variations in shade and color and certain colors and so that's what she paints what she sees which are these really like full-on um um, it's like, it would be great to take my B20 and take mushrooms and, and look at some of her artwork. Um, Michael continues If you're interested, here's the basics on tetra, tetrachromacy, and here are some more details from Newcastle University. I will not read those links, but keep up the last PS. I can't wait for Will Legal to reschedule in Cairns. Any chance of TOFOP touring the regions? Uh, well, first things first Will Eagle, any reschedule happening? don't
0: know yet. Um, like It's still one of those years where it's hard to... I am doing uh, July 3rd at the Enmore, which is selling pretty well, but there are still tickets available, what you're talking about, Will. And July 4th at the Brisbane Powerhouse, the first show sold out on pre-sale, so we added a second show, which is about half sold out already. So if you want to come and see what you're talking about, Will, July 4th at the Brisbane Powerhouse, and I think Carumbin is sold out, and um, there'll probably be some other shows at some point, but... Um, No plans at the moment. Uh, And we have no plans to
1: tour TOEFOP to Cairns, but uh, we haven't, yeah, there is, we're potentially doing a live show later this year. We can't announce it for for specific reasons, but um, there will be hopefully a a TOEFOP live in the future, maybe multiple TOEFOP lives. Anyway, this is from Claire. Just wanted to write in to let you know that at age 28, I just watched Point Break for the first time.
0: Oh, interesting. It was good, but. It was amazing, fantastic. It was fucking great. Time.
1: It was fucking great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. How anyone could not enjoy Keanu and Swayze, I do not know. It was two hours well spent. A friend of mine, hi, L, I I know you're listening, thinks that Patrick Swayze seems like a guy with Hugh Jackman's talent mixed with Chris Hemsworth's cool guy attitude. Thoughts? Hmm. Well, So Patrick Swayze as Bodhi is like... Or as a, just, I think that Patrick Swayze seems like a guy with Hugh Jackman's talent mixed with Chris yep. Hemsworth, cool guy attitude.
0: Okay. So basically uh, just saying that like, cause you know, cause he's Hugh a mix Jackman of masculine, can sing, and... he can dance, he can, you know, all those sort of things. Yeah. But, but with a bit more of the cool guy, Chris Hemsworth style swagger. Yeah. That easy confidence that Hugh well, Jackman kind of has, but he also, there's a something a bit more polished about humor. Yeah. I think Patrick Swayze was cool in his day. He had more of
1: that kind of Texas Matthew McConaughey thing going on, rather. Right? Like Chris Hemsworth's got the Aussie kind of surfer thing nailed down. I think that, uh, I think, I mean, it's pretty hilarious. Like the, the character of Bodie is so ridiculous, like this kind of philosopher slash bank robber slash, and he pulls it off. So I think you have to be pretty charismatic and likable to pull off such an absolutely ridiculous character.
0: I mean, in a way though, that character is almost somebody you do see now, not necessarily the bank robber bit, but the sort of, you know, psychedelic ayahuasca <laughs> right. style, like, you know, cult of wellness. There is a yeah. real sense of, you know, you can see these people, you see them online, you know, their life philosophy is a very Bodhi-like philosophy.
1: Yeah. I mean, what's that thing he says to Keanu in the surf when Keanu finally like puts the cuffs on him and he's like, no way, man, I can't be in one of those metal coffins, on the road every day and it's just like, yeah, man, fuck the system. We yeah. need to break out. <laughs> right? You guys want to go to Peru to some ayahuasca? Right. You know what he is? <laughs> it's Hansel from Zoolander. The yeah. Hansel from Zoolander is Bodie in a com- comedic setting.
0: Right, but Patrick Swayze manages to make it work as a character. Yeah,
1: you're right. Fucking good film. I haven't watched it since we've discussed it. I might have to throw it on this week. Uh, this last one is from Chris. Intros to Fofop. Hi, I love the show. Is there a chance that the Fofop guests can be introduced? It's a small thing, but us drivers can't pick up the phone to see who's in the podcast notes. Cheers. Is this something do you introduce your guests on Fofop or do you just
0: start talking? I say "Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and joining me is guest Charlie blah blah uh, blah and then whatever their name is."
1: But you don't give a, 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 a account of who they are or what they do or anything like that. It's uh,
0: guys, it's Justin Hamilton like it always is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think this is a bit of feedback addressed specifically to me because yes. since I've taken over Faux Faux, I've forgot about intros. I just started talking because generally, you know, they're, we're talking to friends of ours and uh, I just would get into the moment of just talking to them. But um, with this latest episode Paddy Bramall, um, uh, I specifically made a point of recapping who he was and some of the things he'd he'd been in. So – Yes, we can introduce. I will, I will make more of an effort to introduce people uh, from now on. Um, uh, we forgot to plug the fop episode when we were talking about the shows before, but it's a really good listen. Paddy uh, has uh, did a, filmed a sitcom last year during the pandemic, and it's a really, really interesting story about what it's like shooting a multi-camera sitcom where A, you can't do table reads, B the cast can't even be in the same room as each other and see. There's no fucking audiences. So he literally was doing a sitcom to no one, and then watching the episode where they put the laughter in afterwards. It's it's a real head trip. It's a, it's a really good listen.
0: Uh, he once got mad at me online, Paddy Bramwell. Have I For told what? you this story before? I, don't know, I made some joke on Gruen that he was like mad about, and I was like, what was the was joke? Like, uh, I was making fun of like some character in an ad you know my usual oh, right. stick in that situation and like I think his response was like, "Yeah, but that's just a working actor trying to, you know, make a living in the industry or whatever." And I was like, "Well, chances are it made it made it his." I, I would, I would,
1: I'd take a, I yeah, would hazard a guess and to say he was friends with that person.
0: Absolutely, I'm sure it wasn't made of his, but I wasn't making fun of his fucking mate. I was making fun of a character in an ad, and I would have thought Paddy Bramble of all people would know there's a difference between making fun of an actor and making fun of the character they're fucking playing. Well, I guess there's one listener we won't be getting this week and listening to <laughs> I was once. Like, fuck you, bringing yeah. Patty Bramble into my fucking podcast no I always liked him I'm a, I'm a fan of him as a as a uh, performer just I was like just not a fan of that feedback. one specific piece of feedback <laughs> that I've clearly held on to um, all right, that's the
1: show for this week. Um, if you want to support us, the best way to do that is at patreon.com/tofop. Uh, uh, we put lots of bonus stuff up there a week. A lot of um, uh, Patreon messages. We need the mailbags filling up again. we're we're getting caught behind again, so we'll have to get through some more Patreon messages. And uh, we've got another uh, we've got another bonus episode that I want to record soon. So we'll announce that once it's done. But for now, I'm Charlie Clawson.
0: I'm Will Anderson.